Hi, I'm Gar Sanders. I'm Jamie Wincup. I'm James Courtney. Tony Delberto. Hi, I'm Rick Kelly. Hi, I'm Todd Kelly. Hi, I'm Lee Holdsworth. You're listening to V8 Insiders. It's your weekly dose of V8 news on the V8 Insiders. Now, here's your host, Craig Revell. Lounge and Laugh win the 500. Um, our, our car was strong, but you know I think all three of us were uh, really at the end. I think we're all basically on a par. It's just a matter who had track position. Ross Stone talks about those Mercedes AMG rumours. But the funny thing is, with all the speculation going around, you're the only guy that's ever asked me that actually directly, as, as you have. And Frosty and Winkup trade blows on that late race pass. Um, I'm just sitting here thinking, you know, the last thing I want to do now is be in the stewards box. That's all coming up today as the red lights go out on another edition of the V8 Insiders. You've taken the V8 to the races. you watch the action on TV. Now read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing, V8 Supercars. Showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers, V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 Supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 Supercar coverage. Out now. This news update is brought to you by V8X Magazine. Log on to the official V8X Magazine Facebook page for your chance to win some great prizes. Here's the news for Nobrac Carbon Fibre Products. Stone Brothers Racing and Erebus Motorsport have confirmed that they will be teaming up together to form a new combined team, which will see Stone Brothers changing from Ford to AMG cars in an AMG customer-supported program from 2013. Ross Stone talked about the decision to make the manufacturer change. Leaving Ford wasn't an easy thing to do, um, but you know, as as car markets change here in Australia, um, I just felt the timing was was right for a new challenge, and um, move into a new new era in V8 racing with a car of the future project. And with that, um, just like to thank Ford again, really being great supporters. But um, I have to say, we're really looking forward to the new car of the fu- car of the future project um, with the Erebus. Tony Cochran was delighted that the V8 Supercars Car of the Future program has now delivered two new manufacturers on the grid by 2013. I think that uh, to be in a position where we're going to have four uh, great marks on the grid uh, come uh, March next year just shows the uh, worldwide recognition of our sport and uh, it's just a tremendous day today for us and I, and I welcome everybody into the family um, I promise you the ride of your life and uh, we're in for an exciting uh, couple of years in the next two years. Betty Clemenko from Erebus Motorsport talked about the decision to go V8 supercar racing. I did it because I love the, the sport. I love, I, I, I love the brand. I believe in the brand and I believe that the brand and the sport together. I, I want to be part of it. I want to be involved in it. I've been in GTs for a while and I've been in other categories and uh, I just I love the sport. David Madison, the CEO of Erebus Motorsport, talked about the strategy they will employ moving forward. This has been a topic that we've been uh, assessing for quite a long time as to what actually fits our brand and our expectations uh, with our 
with our portfolio as we go forward. SCAFE was happy that even though it's not manufacturer support, it is another brand of car on the grid for 2013. To be able to say that we've got a Nissan Motor Company and that we've got an AMG uh, Mercedes-Benz on the grid for the start of 2013 is a fantastic achievement and certainly something that uh, we're very proud of in terms of what the fans will see from the start of uh, next year. The deal was still being denied by Ross Stone even on Sunday night when I asked him about these rumours. Clearly we've got no comment on that. We've got a contract with Ford and we're running our first car, the future car, you know, maybe... Maybe in the next couple of weeks, we've just had some parts delivered here that we don't make and and that's built up as an FG and that's our focus and that's where we're going. And as to the rumours, Stone was blaming the journalist for just making up stories. I don't know, I I think it might be easier to write, to do a beat up rather than ask a question, you know, so I don't know. We asked Ross Stone how soon till their car of the future is on the track. I might share with HRT down at Phillip Island, but you know, it's just... It's a tough finish to the year, just, you know, like, I think we've got 30 days in the race shop and, and, you know, until the end of the year. And, 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 you know, and in that period until the end of the year, we've now got one meeting down, but we've still got another four race meetings to go. And Bathurst is a huge meeting. Plus, you know, you have the obvious Christmas and uh, New Year stuff coming up. So it's just too tight time-wise. You can hear that full interview that Adrian Mussolino and I did with Ross Stone on Sunday night in this week's White Flag Lap. And you can make up your own mind whether we ask the right questions or not. In other news, Tony Cochran has announced that next week will be the announcement of the Austin, Texas race dates. Uh, I think uh, bodes well for just how strong the championship is today and how much we've grown and how much we've been recognised internationally. Craig Lowndes and Warren Laugh have taken out the Sandown 500. Lowndes praising up his co-driver and his efforts throughout the weekend. I love uh, the endurance races. I've always uh, you know, said that I, you know, I enjoy the, the longer distance because it, you know, it's a bit more team-related strategy, obviously weather-dependent uh, sometimes, but today we had a, a, obviously a dry race from start to finish. Um, and it was important, obviously, uh, to find a co-driver you know, when Scaife uh, decided to obviously... you know definitely hang the boots up for good um, to find a, a good replacement. And uh, Luffy and I have driven a number of 12-hour races at Bathurst before. So, uh, you know, again, we're not uh, you know, strangers to uh, either the circuit or us pairing together at that particular event as well. So uh, I'm looking forward to getting up there and uh, making the car as, you know, if we can make it as nice as we had it today. I'm sure there's no doubt that uh, we'll be in there for a strong showing. Um, and I think also today we showed that uh, you know, you're going to have to have a fast car because there's a lot of speedy teams out there with good drivers. Lowndes' win has now equalled him with Brock and Moffat with five wins at the Sandown 500. He now sets his sights on the Bathurst 1000 and was coy as to whether he was the favourite for that race as well. I don't know, you tell me. I'm, uh, you know, we'll just be going up there to do what we need to do. You know, as I said, we need to make the car nice to drive. It's got to do 161 laps. It's no good trying to uh, set a lap record or uh, you know put it on pole position. I hate pole up there anyway. Warren Luff thought the weekend was fantastic. His first ever V8 supercar win. 
Yeah, look, it's uh, it's been a long time coming. I've uh, been in this game a while now, and um, but to to be here with Team Vodafone and Craig Lowndes, it's a it's first of all a great uh, great honour to be able to drive for such a such a dominant team, but to be able to sort of uh, play a supporting role to Craig and uh, be able to get a victory under my belt, it's just uh, it's really a, a dream come true, and uh, hopefully we can do it again in three weeks. You can hear more from Warren Luff on next week's White Flag Lap. Of course, one of the incidents late in the race was that between. Mark Winterbottom and Jamie Wincup. Here's what the two drivers said at the post-race press conference. Um, well, sometimes you're on the end of it. Sometimes you're, you're the guy that does the pass. And um, no doubt if I was in that position, Jamie would have done the same to me. We asked Wincup if he would have made the move. Uh, yeah, I wouldn't have made contact, though. Would have pulled it up nice and slow. Oh, Teflon. Yeah. <laughs> Teflon. <laughs> But, um, yeah, no, hey, we're not, I don't think we'll take it any further. I'm, I'm just sitting here thinking, you know, the last thing I want to do now is be in the stewards' box. I'd rather get back to PDs and hit the beers earlier. So the championship hunt continues with Jamie Wincup leading on 2,472 points, Mark Winterbottom on 2,440 points, Lowndes on 2,353 points, Davison drops back on 2,236 points, and Shane Van Gisbergen is on 1,882. 6 through 10 is Garth Tander, Tim Slade, Fabian Coulthard, Lee Holsworth, and David Reynolds. One of the co-drivers that really set the scene last weekend was Scott McLaughlin. I had an opportunity to congratulate him on a fantastic stint in the Techno Auto Sports car. It's the longest stint I've ever done in any car um, in my life, so 78 laps or something, and um, it, it was good fun. Um, you know, I bought the car back in one piece and, and, and P5 in a good position, and, you know, we quite didn't, we didn't quite have the pace, even in my stint, so I just got lucky, lucky there a little bit. A couple of guys dropped the wheel and went off, but um, Webby did a fantastic job. The whole team did some great pit stops and... Uh, you know, bring on Bathurst, I think we've got a lot more uh, pace to show. Finally, one man who had a great Sandown 500 up until the last pit stop was David Reynolds. He certainly is a colourful character, as you can tell from what he had to say at the Saturday qualifying press conference. The co-drivers, you were told to bring it back straight. Were you surprised how many of the uh, main game drivers weren't doing that? Uh, oh, we did a good job of trying to scratch our cars a bit at the start. Sorry, Nick. <coughs> He's angry with me. Um... Yeah, the, the main game guys have certainly uh, opened our eyes up a bit. We, I was a bit surprised by all the uh, panel rubbing. Lounsey was a bit harsh on young Davey here. but um... I looked behind me, I could see this big grin. <laughs> I thought I'm in for it. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I just went out and did what I thought I needed to do and obviously our race was probably boring apparently, was it? No? Exciting for me. There you go. I said on the TV, it was like, if I was married, it would be like, watching someone have a burn on my wife, like driving my car. <laughs> That's going to be probably why you'll never get married. <laughs> Strike that from the record. No, yeah. the, the, um, the psychic girl, girl said once I establish my career that I'll get married. Good luck with that. We might call it close to that at that point. Thanks, guys. Congratulations. This interview is over. Tools <laughs> Racing. And that's all we have time for. And that's the news on the V8 Insiders. Don't forget, the latest edition of V8X magazine is on sale now and you can get Craig Lowndes' exclusive Bathurst preview in the latest edition. Don't forget, you can also download it on an iPad through the free MagShop app. And that's the news for 
NOBRAC carbon fibre products. Check out the entire range at www.nobrac.com.au. After the break, Lachlan Mansell and Adrian Mussolino will join me on the V8 Insiders. News on the V8 Insiders is brought to you by the official V8X Magazine Facebook page. Sign up and keep in touch with V8 Supercars. You've taken the V8 to the races. You watch the action on TV. Now read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing, V8 Supercars. Showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers, V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 supercar coverage. Out now. The views expressed on V8 Insiders, including the panellists and guests, do not reflect those of the network, Thunder Media, sportradio.com.au or V8X magazine. Any publication or rebroadcast of the show without the expressed written permission of Thunder Media is strictly prohibited. Hi, I'm Lee Holdsworth. You're listening to V8 Insiders. Welcome back to the V8 Insiders. Joining us this week, the editor of V8X magazine, Adrian Mussolino. Good evening, Adrian. Hey, Hey, Craig. How are you? Very well, thanks. Has that name and title really sunk in yet? Uh, No, not as yet. It's a great honour and... um great pride to see the new issue out in stores now with my name as editor. Mm. Well, Lachlan Mantle, the last time we'll get to call you officially the voice of Winton. Uh, well, I don't. is it the last time? Well, no, it's not, Craig. Good evening to you and good evening, Adrian, because um, even though I'll no longer be working at Winton in a full-time capacity, I will still be the anchor commentator for all the major racing events at least until the end of this year, so yes. All right, well, we'll give that you, you that moniker for at least till the end of this year then. <laughs> but, uh, well, the 500 back at, at Sandown, and uh, I think most people would say it, Sunday was a smashing success, Lachlan. Well, the crowd seems to be very good there over the weekend, bigger than some of the other V8 supercar events that we've had there this year. And overall, it was an entertaining weekend of racing as well, especially with the qualifying sprints on the Saturday and then the 500k race on Sunday wasn't too bad either. Um, But I think, you know, the, the qualifying sprints on the Saturday for me were the highlight of the weekend, especially the main driver's race. I think a lot of us thought that when we were watching the main driver's race, we were actually watching the co-driver's race because in the first sprint, all the co-drivers were very well disciplined and then the main drivers hopped back into their cars and it was absolute pandemonium, but it was exciting, it was entertaining for spectators and I think most importantly, it was easier for the general fans to understand compared to the format that was used at the Philip Island 500. Mm. Adrian, what was your take on that new qualifying system? Uh, I was a fan. I think by taking the compulsory pit stops out of the equation, it definitely made things easy to follow. And by not making it an aggregate of both races, it it was very clear who was in what position and where that would lead to. So I I thought it was a big improvement. Um, That seemed to be the overwhelming feeling in the paddock, that it was just easier to follow for drivers, teams and fans. And I think it's a winner. I think... The thing they should look at is perhaps whether points should be allocated for qualifying races. Um, for me, it was very odd to see Mark Winterbottom come second in the event, beating Jamie Winkup, yet he leaves with a 30-point deficit because of a poor qualifying race. I thought 
that's not really on. Mm. One thing that was amazing, though, Adrian, is uh, for years it was said you couldn't win a V8 supercar race unless you come from the first two rows. Now more than ever, it's not so much the first two rows, it's who builds your car, Triple Eight or FPR. Yeah, I mean, I think what we saw on Sunday was just how far ahead of the game those two teams are. And, you know, after qualifying, we all thought this is probably the weekend where they're going to be beaten. They qualified poorly by their standards and Stone Brothers look good. But, you know, come Sunday, just, you know, they just rose through the pack and it was um, pretty ominous. And I think that that's a warning sign for Bathurst. I think they could really cement their dominance there and, you know, they could be lapping, you know, a good chunk of the field if things go their, their way. What is very, very interesting, Lockie, is the way that those guys were able to carve up through the field. They were using some strategy and they were using outright car speed. Yeah, well, Paul Dumbrell's drive from 19th on the grid up to second by the end of his stint was particularly impressive. Actually, there, there are a few particularly notable, both impressive and disappointing performances among the part-time co-drivers. I think Paul Dumbrell was an absolute standout. The way he carved his way through the field was just brilliant to watch. Scott McLaughlin, I was very impressed with too. He was running in the top five in the Techno Autosports Commodore that he was sharing with Jonathan Webb, and he was ahead of um, a number of drivers with a lot more experience than him, and he didn't put a foot wrong all weekend. Uh, as far as the disappointments go, I thought that David Bernard was very, very ordinary. Um, that's the second time in the last two V8 supercar in races that he's contested that he's put a car into the wall so uh, that wasn't so good um, and uh, Greg Ritter um, driving for Gary Rogers Motorsport made a, um, a pretty basic mistake losing a lot of positions as well I thought Dean Cando's drive Adrian was also one that was uh, noteworthy yeah definitely I mean Dean's a consistent performer and Unlike a lot of the co-drivers this season, he um, kept the same ride from last season. So he knew the team, he knows the car, and he definitely delivered in his first two stints in the race and got that entry up there. And would have been great to see them on the podium. Dave Reynolds is still looking for that first podium, and it looked on track until that last pit stop. So that, that was a disappointment, And but I think they could be one to watch at Bathurst. Mm, definitely. What did you get out of the form guide from Sandown, Lockie? I think that, that reaffirmed in my mind that Warren Luff and Craig Lowndes, the red-hot favourites for Bathurst this year, I think they, they already were favourites even before Sandown, but I think the odds have, have shorted even more after the weekend. I think, obviously, Ford Performance Racing are quick. They, they have been quick up at Bathurst before, but they've lost the race by making unforced errors, so... Um, Time will tell whether they can uh, can get through without making any errors this year. Um, the Holden Racing Team showed signs of improved form as well compared to earlier rounds in the season, and obviously Garth Tander and Nick Perkett are the defending Bathurst winners, and you know that they will be strong at Mount Panorama as well. Um, still a bit of a question mark, I think, over the competitiveness of some cars, in particular the Kelly Racing Cars. They were actually quite strong at Sandown. If you remember last year, Rick Kelly won a race in the wet weather, but uh, on the weekend they were, were nowhere near as competitive and I think uh, they might struggle heading to the Enduros. Adrian, what about your form guide? Yeah, I think I agree with Lachlan. A lot of those um, 
with a lot of those thoughts. Um, the one I was impressed with was the techno order sports entry of uh, Jonathan Webb and Scott McLaughlin. I thought McLaughlin's performance in particular was, was very good, um, considering it was his first ever main game, very supercar start, and he kept his head all weekend. You know, strong pace, um, did well in the qualifying race, and you know I think he'll be one to watch. He's you know very highly rated in the paddock, and I think he could really at Bathurst. You know, he could really shine. Mm. Well, we need to take a break on the V8 Insiders, but there's plenty more to talk about when we return. Controversy Corner is next when we return with more on the V8 Insiders. Find out more about your favourite supercar teams and drivers when we go inside further on the V8 Insiders. You've taken the V8 to the races. you watch the action on TV. Now, read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing, V8 Supercars. Showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers, V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 Supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 Supercar coverage. Out now. Hi, I'm Shane Van Gisbergen. You're listening to V8 Insiders. Welcome back to the V8 Insiders. Craig Ravel, Adrian Mussolino and Lachlan Mansell all joining me for this roundtable session. And, uh, well, guys, I have to say the uh, story after the race was certainly the social media war of words between Triple Eight and FPR. I don't know if you caught many of the posts, but... uh, I'm sure the fans did, and there was all sorts of uh, accusations being levelled from one to the other team, including, um, you know, some whinging levelled by one team and uh, the other one saying uh, that their team will get the uh, one that did the punting back in a race very soon. If you haven't seen the stuff, I I would recommend you get onto Twitter and Facebook and have a look at some of the... uh, Toing and froing that those two teams did get up to, even though the steward said it was racing, Lockie. I can't say that I saw any of the Twitter exchanges between the teams. What I did hear, though, was the comments made by each driver during the uh, the press conference post-race. Um, I thought it was interesting that Jamie Wincup made the comment that he would not have made the same kind of move on Mark Winterbottom if he had been in, in that position. I think... Um, in fairness to everybody that the officials made the right decision, I think that Winter was far enough up the inside of Wink Cup into Dandenong Road Corner. The front of his Ford Performance Racing Falcon was past the B pillar on the left-hand side of Jamie Winkup's team Vodafone Commodore. Winkup obviously tried to turn in. There was contact between the two cars, which resulted in Winkup being carted wide. So I think the outcome was fair. There didn't need to be any penalty applied, and then it was uh, fair that Winterbottom picked up that position. Hmm. Adrian, did you see what was going on there? I did, and I saw some of the tweets, and um, Roland Danes in particular just um, saying that um, I think uh, that it wasn't, you know, quite on um, that move from Mark Winterbottom and that, you know, wasn't really a fair move. But um, the thing with Roland Dane is he doesn't like to lose and he, he not only likes to, doesn't like to lose, he likes the team to dominate and the fact that, you know, Winterbottom snatched what was going to be a 1-2 for Triple Eight, um, you know, that would have really disappointed him even though, obviously, Lowndes and Musk won. So um, that, that's good stuff. I think that just shows the type of season we have it's a head-to-head fight and 
you know, I think it could get ugly if they keep winning and and sort of distancing themselves from the rest of the field. Then we could see more of these dashes. Mm. It's it was interesting. Even the photo FPR had a quite an interesting photo of uh, Jamie Winkup with uh, a caption that wasn't too flattering. I think you'd agree there. Um, uh, I think you'd agree there, Adrian. Of course, the caption was uh, Block's superior driver for 15 laps. Then there's a picture of Jamie Winkup and says, does not accept pass. Of course, that was on the back of a a tweet about uh, Mr. Summertop has something coming. Um, it was amazing that the teams would go so publicly out in Stoush, Lockie. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not sure how much of that content was generated by the teams and how much of it was maybe generated by just fans of the sport and then maybe distributed further through the social media channels by the teams. But, um, yeah, so, some of that stuff was controversial, but you know what? I think that it's not a bad thing for the sport because if it's engaging fans and it's getting people involved in debating racing incidents like that, then it's generating exposure for the sport and that can only be a good thing. Mm. Yeah, it, it is good to see everyone having a bit of a a bit of a personality about it too because, Adrian, it's very hard to build things up when they just uh, go into robot mode. Yeah, it is, but I think, you know, as we get to the pointy end of the championship, um, we'll see more of these, um, you know, public hearings of grievances. And uh, as I said, I think, you know, we should get used to it. Um, it's obviously a head-to-head battle between the two teams. Both sets of drivers are in the mix of the championship. So, you know, it's a bit of a sort of boxing match for what we've got this season and uh, a bit of trash talk always goes along with that. Mm. Yep, I know a good friend of ours, Gavin McGrath, always said, you need to have someone wearing the black hat. It's the uh, successful formula for wrestling, and uh, if you don't have a villain, then how do you have any really good heroes to cheer for? Guys, we need to move on from that stoush and go to, well, another subject, which is an interesting one. The V8 supercars going back to Sandown. We've seen it at Phillip Island, the 500. We've seen it at Queensland, the 500. Do V8 supercars need to just suck it up and stay with Sandown? Or do they need to move the 500 around so that no one area starts to get a bit blasé about it, Lachlan? I think it should stay at Sandown. I think that the popularity of the event, the event on the weekend demonstrated why Sandown suits having the 500-kilometre race. I think there's a lot of tradition attached to that venue as well in terms of the Australian Touring Car Championship um, and you know past years of Australian Touring Car Racing. Um, and I think that that layout's also a lot better suited to endurance racing than somewhere like Phillip Island or Queensland Raceway where the cars tend to get more spread out over the longer race distance and therefore you get more processional racing with less overtaking. So keep it at Sandown, I say. Mm. What about you, Adrian? Yeah, I agree completely. Sandown is where it belongs. It's what it's the track that we associate the 500 with. And, um, you know, in terms of heritage, that's where it belongs. But also, it's the only real event that caters for suburban Melbourne and... I think that's really important that V8 Supercars has a strong presence in Melbourne. Obviously, they race at the Grand Prix at Albert Park, but that's non-championship. Phillip Island's 
you know, two hours up the road, Winston even further. So it needs a strong base in Melbourne and, you know, you'll get a good crowd there. There's a fan base in, in that part of Melbourne and they will come out strong. And, you know, even though there was a Collingwood AFL finals match the night before, there was still a strong crowd. So um, you're going to have the Sunday free, um, given how the AFL finals work out in that weekend. So I think it's the perfect place for it. Mm. Yeah, it, it it's interesting to see how they will handle this over the next few years. And uh, guys, just one item that keeps rearing its uh, ugly head, I'll say, is driver pairings. What do you think about the current driver pairing rules and if you compare them to what we used to have where the top drivers were in the one car and the second car then became uh, the... Uh, the fill-in drivers, if you like. Lachlan? Um, oh, sorry, I, Adrian. I, that's okay. I, I prefer the system as it is now, um, simply because everyone stays in their own cars, so it makes the endurance events more relevant for the championship. And, you know, we associate Wind Cup with number one and Winterbottom with number five and Mounds with triple eight. So, you know, keep them in their cars. It, it's up to the teams to find good co-drivers that can... Um, get the results and I think it's just easier all around I think it gets a bit messy when you have some teams splitting their drivers some teams keeping them together um, I like the format as is because it keeps the championship going what about you Lockie I actually disagree with Adrian on that one. Before the um, the rule came in that the teams had to separate their primary drivers, which came in for the 2010 season, I thought that it was a good idea to have them separated. But now we've actually had a chance to see how it works when you do separate the drivers. And I think that on the whole, the endurance races have not been as interesting since that rule was introduced than they were before it was introduced. I actually think that... On the whole, the endurance races were more interesting when the teams could still pair up their primary drivers. The reason being that all of the teams now basically work with pretty much the same strategy in terms of when the co-drivers do their stints, whereas previously there was a bit more flexibility and a bit more room for variation in results. The other thing as well is that... Now, because all the teams are doing the same thing, you get the co-drivers racing each other and then the main drivers racing each other in their stints. Under the previous system, you could get a situation where you could get a part-time driver in the second car, would find himself racing up against full-time main game drivers, and very occasionally you would actually get a co-driver who would outperform the main game drivers, and that was impressive at creating interest. Remember 2009 when Greg Ritter and David Bernard almost won Bathurst? two part-time drivers in the second Gary Rogers Motorsport Commodore. That's sort of the case in point for what I'm talking about. Mm. i got to ask, though, isn't it better to have 20 competitive cars going for the win rather than 10, Lockie? Um, I don't know that there are necessarily 20 competitive cars going for the win, though. I think, you know, you look at you look at this year, there's probably really only been four competitive cars, the two AAA cars and the two lead FTR cars. Maybe that's a little bit harsh, but I think that um, having having drivers together probably actually opens it up a little bit more because it would give other teams like maybe the Holden Racing Team an opportunity to be a little bit more 
competitive anyway. I suppose it's one that we could debate forever, isn't it? And obviously the teams are debating it. Roland Dane's come out and said that he wants teams to go back to being able to have the choice about whether they split or, or partner their full-time drivers. And if the reports are anything to go by, then it could be that we will be going back to the old system. Mm. Of course, Craig Lowndes said on the show a few weeks ago, Adrian... Well, when you're behind, you naturally want to be in a different car to the guy you're chasing, but when you're in front, yeah, pair them up and then they can't catch you. Yeah, exactly. And and if the teams have that, um, if they can decide themselves whether they split or pair them, their main drivers, then, you know, it just sort of, it, it does create an imbalance in the grid and it, it just gets messy. And I think if the championship... If the endurance are part of the championship, then you need um, the main drivers to stay in their own cars to make sure that championship battle rolls on. Um, it would have been disappointing, for example, had FPR and AAA both decided to pair Winterbottom Davison Win Cup Lounge because the championship then becomes paused in effect. Um, so, yeah, I mean, this topic flips the paddock like a few other issues. It's really 50 50. So, you know, hopefully their supercars just makes its mind up. Um, it changed the rule a few years ago. Um, let's settle on one thing and then just move forward. Mm. It is interesting, though, that a uh, number of the drivers are quite keen to see the rule change back because uh, they would prefer to pair up with their regular driver as they think it's a lower risk option, Lockie. Yeah, well, that's right. And I think, you know, we've, we've seen a couple of examples where... Um, you know, co-drivers have ruined the chances of, of a particular car of, of finishing a race in a competitive position. Um, for example, last year at Bathurst when Luke Yulden made that catastrophic error at the safety car restart and speed off the road at Murray's Corner putting the Ford Performance racing car that he was sharing with Will Davison a lap down and out of contention. Is David Bernard going to be at Brad Jones Racing at Bathurst? I still think he will be, even though he had a less than exemplary performance at Sandown on the weekend. I still think in terms of maintaining stability in the team, it would be in the best interests of Brad Jones Racing to retain him for Bathurst. And of course, if they did decide to get rid of him before Bathurst, who would they replace him with? Um, you know, no time to test a new co-driver in the car before Bathurst. It would create a whole lot of logistical problems that the team wouldn't want to deal with. So I do think they'll retain Bernard for Bathurst. However, I, I would be surprised if they retained his services for next year. Yeah, I think they'll keep him. Um, it's too late in the day now to be changing co-drivers. And, you know, he is quick. I think that's, we need to remind ourselves of that fact. But he's one of those drivers who doesn't race elsewhere throughout the rest of the year. So come the Enduros, there's a few, you know, cobwebs that need to be blown out. And sadly, he did that. <laughs> First practice at Sandown and did some damage to the Commodore. So um, that's the risk the team takes by taking on a co-driver like that who doesn't race and career a car for the development series. So Brunjo's racing knew that coming in. Um, the risk they took is that he is experienced and he does, you know, he tends to lift a batter. So I think he'll put his best foot forward and hopefully he can bring it home. Mm, it's one that everyone's been talking about. The other one is that... Uh Championship rings and Bathurst rings, Adrian, do you think they are uh, an Australian way of celebrating your victory? No, they're very American. American sports are big on their rings and and all that. Um, you know, good on the driver and who wins it. Um, 
I personally wouldn't wear it. It looks like the type of ring that would weigh your hand down. Um, but yeah, it, it's an interesting thing as long as it doesn't replace the trophies, but that's the most important thing. Mm. Lockie, what did you think? Because there has been comments that the Sandown 500 trophies look more like uh, what they'll be giving away this weekend at Todd Road for the final round of the CIK Karting Championships. <laughs> um, yeah, <laughs> as far as the rings go, um, I mean, you know, if it's a, a um, something that a ranks driver can carry with them as a sign of their success in the most prestigious racing events, then I don't see that as a, a bad thing. Um, what what would be interesting is if a driver tried to uh, use it as an engagement ring to propose to a potential fiancé, future wife. Well, that could be David Reynolds after his performance <laughs> at the uh, press conference last weekend. Lockie, it's always a pleasure to catch up with you here on the V8 Insiders. Always a pleasure to be on the show, Craig. And, of course, Adrian, out now is the 50th anniversary edition of the Bathurst 1000 at... For with V8X magazine. Yep, it's um, in stores now. It's um, not only in stores, but it's also available on the iPad through the bag shop. So get downloading or buying, and um, yeah, hope everyone enjoys it. All right, then. The white flag lap is up next. You've taken the V8 to the races. You watch the action on TV. Now read about them in V8X magazine. V8X magazine, dedicated to just one thing. V8 Supercars, showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers. V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 Supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 Supercar coverage. Out now. Hi, I'm Rick Kelly. You're listening to V8 Insiders. As you heard in the news, Stone Brothers Racing is going to AMG with a partnership with Erebus Motorsport. At Sandown, certainly, it was the talk of the pit lane. So, Adrian Mussolino from V8X Magazine and myself went to Ross Stone following the Sandown 500 and asked him a few pertinent questions about that and other aspects of Stone Brothers' future. Be interested to see and hear your views on the answers we got, or did we just ask the wrong questions? had a long chat at Sydney Motorsport Park and it was interesting to speak to you about the, the team's focus when you're getting hammered with questions like this about your future and who you might be uh, working with next year as a manufacturer. We uh, get to Sandown and it seems like the speculation is intensifying. Is it right that you could be running AMGs next year? Uh, well, clearly we've got no comment on that. We've got a contract with Ford and we're running our first car, the future car, you know, maybe maybe in the next couple of weeks. We've just had some parts delivered here that we don't make and, and that's built up as an FG and that's our focus and that's where we're going. Is it possible that you will be running another make come 2013? Uh but the funny thing is, with all the speculation going around, you're the only guy that's ever asked me that, actually, directly, as, as you have. And just really um, on that, I can just say there's, there's no agreement in place for us to do anything else but run a Ford. So. Are you locked in for the Sydney Motorsport Park uh, Car of the Future test in mid-October? Or is no, that we, did, we, we decided a while ago we wouldn't, we wouldn't do that test um, there is another date. I think HRT, we might share with HRT down at Phillip Island. 
but you know it's just it's, it's a tough finish to the year just you know like I think we've got 30 days in the race shop and, and you know until the end of the year and, and and you know and in that period until the end of the year we've now got one meeting down but we've still got another four race meetings to go and Bathurst is a huge meeting plus you know you have the obvious Christmas and uh, New Year stuff coming up so it's just too tight time wise how, oh, how reinvigorated is the team after this weekend's performance knowing that you've sort of gone back to basics and locked down things after four poor meetings by your standards yeah, yeah I, I, I couldn't agree more we went to Darwin with high expectations and we just didn't get it together and then so you just keep developing developing and then um, it was good to come here cars were really good out of the truck and I'm confident that they'll be strong at Bathurst uh, just finally, where are things at with Ford funding for next year? Oh, we're still talking with Ford, see see what they're doing, um, and you know all that sort of stuff. So, really, nothing's changed there since I've spoken to you guys a month ago or whatever it was, and um, just see what happens, I guess. Is there a date that it has to be locked in by, or is it open? Uh, no, there's no date and no date set in mind. Obviously, anything you do like that, it's better sooner rather than later. But um, we'll, we'll just, just um, you know, really focus. We've got a ride day here on Tuesday, so you know, there's, we prepare for, prepare the cars here tomorrow and then Tuesday, and then before you know it, another week's gone. So it's just a matter of putting it all in order. Why do you think I'm the only one that's ever asked you about AMG directly? Oh, I don't know. I, I think it might be easier to write, to do a beat up rather than ask a question. You know, so I don't know. You're not that scary a customer, are you? <laughs> no, no, no. And where are things at with the 47 title sponsorship? Is that Lucky Seven ends this year? Yeah, it does. They they're out of con- contract this year, and um, that's that's a work in progress. While we just just work through that, yeah. Would a fourth car be something you'd like to end up with, or is there no real value or economy of scale to go to four? Oh no, the the model cost-wise, economies of scales, it's always going to be a four car thing. But um, with car of the future and stuff, uh, you would never take we, you know, I wouldn't allow it to happen to go from three to four cars um, next year. It's just going to be so much going on. Because the thing is, it's not a matter of just building a car and that. It, you, you need another race engineer that has to fit into the team and have the chemistry so it all works. Then you need a data engineer and then you need a number one on a car and a number two and then all, all the other stuff. So um, Plus all the work to get a, another car going and the backup with spares is huge. You know, It's really huge. How hard is the staffing problem just on the current championship forgetting about speculation of more races coming in? Um, well, I think in the team you always try to look after the people and at the end of the season we generally have got a very stable stable crew. You know, But as an example, we've got a whole lot of guys flying out tonight um, or guys and girls flying out tonight to get home so they can have a break. When the truck comes back, they're ready to go and then we've got some of the crew staying here to work here tomorrow, do the ride day, and um, and then they have a day off or so before it gets home. So, you know, as an example, DJR are leaving straight from here to go home, so they're taking two gearboxes for us. Mm-hmm. And it's sort of uh, up the pit road, it sort of works like that, you know. So those gearboxes, the truck, 
their truck should arrive home um, Tuesday night. So Wednesday morning when, when, when some of them are back at work, they can pick those gearboxes up and because it's another two days before the truck gets home after the call to ride day. With the direction that Archer is setting now, or are you getting frustrated that you no longer have the control you used to have? Oh, that, that was a decision to be made before June last year when we took Archer on as partners. And um, I was part of that process. Roland, Roland and I represented the teams, and I probably done done a small amount of work compared to what Roland done and all of that. But no, 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 no that's... Um, that's all worked along well, I, I thought. A year later, of course. Yeah, yeah. You see, it's a year later, and effectively we had our first team owners meeting where we got together as a group last Wednesday and Thursday in um, in Sydney out at the airport. And um, so the first time we've got together like that for a forum in a year, so I guess that answers your question. Ross Stone joining us there, and... Love to hear your thoughts on that interview and the AMG story in general. You can email us your thoughts at v8insiders at sportradio.com.au or, of course, leave messages on the Facebook page. As the checker flag waves over another edition of the V8 Insiders, my thanks to Lachlan Mansell and Adrian Mussolino. Till next time round, keep smiling and bye for now. Join us next week for more V8 Insiders, only on v8x.com.au.